present. Thank you. Now open up to public participation. Any member of the public wishes to speak on items not on the agenda, you have up to three minutes. Please approach the podium, announce your name, and your three minutes will begin. Good evening. My name is Silvia Puglisi, and I appreciate your chance to be this evening speaking in Hispanic. I'm a resident of Palm Coast, and I re first of all, I have to appreciate the city for trying to enforce, uh, to inform all of us users of our, um, you know, waste pro, waste pro and, and waste management garbage service. That was very interesting. That town hall held by the manager, the city employee, and the the uh, contractor. Uh, it, it was very interesting. Now, um, because the latest news that is the public knowledge of all the media and the city fining, rightfully doing, because the city has to hear both sides. Now, we, you haven't heard one side. You only heard the side of the complainer. So the city is right. They go and find the contractor for not complying with the proper service, right? Now, I, I was surprised of that. I started contacting a lot of people that I know in Pampos, of all the many years I live here, and I got on, on, on social media, and it happens that I found the greatest majority of the people of Pampos, like myself, we are very satisfied with the service we get now from Waste Pro, the same way we were satisfied with waste management, management before them. It is a less undesirable job that most of us are not willing to do, right? And Actually, they are doing it pretty good. Thinking that we are through a pandemic right now and a lot of services have been diminished for all of us. And all these years that we've been with Waste Pro, I have no complaints. We cannot expect our Waste Pro uh, people to go and, and, and sweep the street. Or some complainers, like said, they had four tires for a week there. We are supposed to call them if we are gonna have tires disposed. We are supposed to call them for additional. Uh, I pay for my tire disposal when I change my tires. I pay for my appliances to be held away for a little fee when I change appliances. All those that get them for free from our uh, contractors, at least they should know that they have to call them and make an appointment for that. If they don't get picked up, they bash these workers and they bash our service. Honestly speaking, we are concerned, many people, myself, somebody that is here present as well, that we have a great service and we don't want to be changed to get an increase at this point because already our utility water sewer is pretty high and most people are gonna have a hardship to pay for a higher fee. So honestly speaking, I'm talking on behalf of our waste pro, many people, many, many online and uh, uh, our uh, uh, Brad West knows she saw my posting online are 40. So I appreciate if you Thank quick you and uh, next speaker. Keep them. Thank you. James, uh, a couple of things brought to my attention. Um, I believe these meetings should be held more at night because it gives the people in town an opportunity to attend. People are still work during the day. Uh, they have other uh, commitments. Uh, this gives us more voices and chance to express their concerns, just like that slow way issue last month. People were, we had more information about what was the problem with that. People need to be here to be able to express their concerns and problem and issues with, the, with these projects. During the virtual town hall uh, meetings we had, I submitted questions and comments every week and so did other people and none of them were ever read. So this stuff gets overlooked and ignored if people aren't here in person to face you folks and tell you what's bothering us or what needs to be corrected. We'd like to have corrected actually. So this would be, this would be a great way to just more meetings at night to have more people attend to uh, express our, our, our concerns. And one of these examples I understand is that the city seems to love to spend our money and they wanted to spend, what, $200,000, $400,000 on a sign over the uh, I-95, and yet it was knocked down. But, but, you know, we spent millions of dollars on two uh, traffic roundabouts that are dangerous. 
we could have done a lot less but a lot better with just a couple traffic lights because turns are tight, trucks are running over the curb and they're squeezing cars out going around those turns. So that's ridiculous. And I understand we're trying to put, spend millions and millions on pickleball and tennis court renovations. If they want to do that, let that not be on our dime. Let that please be on, let them do it through private donations or fundraising. We have, still have a lot of retired people. Taxes are going up. We don't want to pay for it. You know, we are the majority. We don't need that stuff. Put that money to good use, like installing more street lighting, repaving the streets, retrenching money of the swales that are still in bad repair and flat, maybe helping some of the food banks. And it would be probably a nice idea to have some kind of indoor activity game center for youth and families to keep these kids off the street instead of breaking in the cars. So, thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Steve Carr, Palm Coast. I'd like to say um, Waste Pro has, I have not ever had a problem with them. I think they're doing a fantastic job. I would think it would be better for us to not spend extra money on uh, auto automated part of it and uh, use that money for the uh, public works area. Um, also, uh, I'd like to thank the city manager Morton for meeting with me and and listen to me, my concerns about the traffic on Florida Park Drive. And he has taken an interest in it, and I'll be waiting to hear from him when he's uh, formulated his uh, opinion about it. Also, uh, the speeding on Florida Park Drive is still a problem. It's like every day. And uh, I know the sheriff's department's been out there and and they do they do tend to slow down while the chirp is there but as soon as he's gone it seems like somebody raised the flag and said he's gone zoom so anyway <laughs> that's uh the issue that stay, stays on florida park drive it's just a lot of speed and uh, i want to thank you all for doing a great job thank you your comments next speaker Good evening. On Easter, I spent two hours in my backyard just relaxing in my backyard. I counted a vehicle every 1.79 minutes coming through slow way to access just the cut through. It's to the point of ridiculous. It's nonstop, all day long, every day. The dust that's being raised is unbelievable. Also, on the March 16th meeting, when another resident discussed her mother and her golf cart, the mayor reiterated that golf carts are not legal on the city streets. At 5.27 p.m., I took this picture. This is on County Road 325, but I witnessed her go down slow drift turn and turn onto slow way. So it's blatant disregard of city laws. This needs to be corrected. It needs to be corrected immediately. The delays have gone on long enough. With your comments, next speaker. Hi, my name is Monique Durso. Um, I'm here today, which I'm sure is not a, a popular subject, but it's about our ma our mass mandate. Um, our governor lifted the mask mandate, uh, which I'm sure he consulted with his health officials before he did it, and we're still wearing masks. And there's a gentleman that he invented, I'm bringing this up because this is relevant, uh, the inventor of the PCR test is Kerry Mullis. He said this test was never meant to detect free infectious viruses and not to be used as a diagnostic tool, which is where we stand today, we use it as a diagnostic tool. We found out recently in January that labs are running these virus, the uh, cycle threshold at around 40, which gives you a higher um, false positive for, uh, for the virus. So they just, they've said that that needed to be lowered, which was, it's to supposedly around 25 or so. 
I, and I have all this information. I put copies and references and everything in my paper that I'm going to give you. Just to give an example, Elon Musk had four tests done in one day. Two came back positive, two came back negative. So that goes to show how this is a good example that the PCR tests are giving false positive readings. And that's what we're using to say, okay, well, we have all these cases and we're counting maybe even asymptomatic people um, as cases and that don't really have COVID per se, you know, well, they have COVID, but they're asymptomatic. And we know now by the CDC has confirmed that people that are asymptomatic have a very low risk of transmitting anything. So with that being said, um, I've also attached here per OSHA, NIH, the CDC, prior has documented, and I put the partial quote from it because I didn't want to take up too much time, that the birth of the mask came from the realization that surgical wounds need protection from the droplets released in the breath of surgeons. The only mask that protects you from a virus is the N99 and the N100 masks. So, other than that, um, and also dentists have come out and said that they increase tooth decay, candida growth, and gum disease from wearing these masks all the time. Healthy people should not be wearing masks, and we should have the right whether we want to wear it or not. And there was a Danish study as well that for you guys to look up was done in November 2020, a controlled study that showed masks do not protect you. It's like wearing a chain link fence on your face because the virus particle is so tiny. Thanks for your comments. Next speaker. Should I leave the copies that I made up?
educationally and developmentally Whereas research shows that parents and caregivers who have support systems and know how to, uh, to seek help and keep in, in times of trouble and more resilient and better able to provide safe environments and nurturing and experience for them and their child. And whereas it is vital that individuals, business, schools, and community organizations make children top priority and take action to support the physical, social, emotional, educational development and competency of the children. And whereas, during the month of April, Prevent Child Abuse Florida, in collaboration with the Governor's Office of Adoption of Child Protection, the Florida Department of Children and Families, and Ounce of Prevention Fund of Florida, implement Teen Little for Prevention and whereas, Teen Little for Prevention state-coordinated campaign aimed to increase awareness of child abuse prevention efforts by encouraging health, child development, positive parenting, and community support. And whereas the blue and silver pin roll displayed in this campaign are used to symbolize the health and happiness of the children deserve. And whereas child abuse prevention month it's an important opportunity to urge all Floridians to engage in activities to strengthen families and communities, and that provide the optimal environment for health uh, depart, uh, development. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the mayor and the city council of the city of Palm Coast, Florida, April 2021, uh, Child Abuse Prevention Month, signed on the 6th day of April by city uh, by the city. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, a time to celebrate the good things that our communities do to promote healthy child development, support families, and help prevent child abuse and neglect. It only takes one positive caring adult to build resilience and make a lasting positive impact in the life of a child. Everyone can help make great childhoods happen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now, um, read a proclamation declaring the month of April as National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation Month. Council Member Brancuna will be presenting. Our Communications Director will be receiving the proclamation. Um, I'm sorry, Barbosa. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really looking at you, too. <laughs> I need my reading glasses. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> Mayor Council, water is basic and essential need for every living creature. And in, in the state of Florida, St. John's River Water Management, District of Other Water Management District, and the city of Palm Coast are working together to increase awareness about the importance of water conservation and the city of Palm Coast and the state of Florida have designated April typically a dry month when water demands are, the, are most active. Florida's Water Conservation Month to educate citizens about how they can help save Florida's precious water resources and the city of Palm Coast has always encouraged and supported the water conservation through various educational programs and special events. And every business industry, school, and citizen can make a difference when it comes to conserving water. And every business industry, school, and citizen can help by saving water and those promote a healthy economy and communicate community. And the city of Palm Coast is participating in an annual National Mayor's Challenge for water conservation and encourage all residents to take a pledge online at www.mywaterpledge.com. During the month of April, Palm Coast, Florida has hereby declared, sorry, by the city council and the city of Palm Coast, Florida, thus hereby declare the month of April as water conservation month and calls upon citizens and businesses to help protect our precious resources by participating water saving measures and becoming more aware of the, the need to save water this 6th april this april 6th thank 
This is a great program and, um, and awareness throughout the month. We'll be highlighting it. We encourage everybody um, and the public to go on mywaterpledge.com and uh, make, make compost number one. Thank you. Want to say a few words? Yeah, um, Garen Hopkins, environmental specialist of the city of Palm Coast. I just want to say, say thank you to all you guys and all our residents uh, who continue to do their part with this. Um, as Brad said, please take the pledge at mywaterpledge.com. Uh, we're currently seventh in the, the country right now in our, our category. So we're doing great so far. Thank you. Thank you very much. Agenda item number four is a presentation on the mayor's 9090 challenge results. Matt, did you want to announce this? Or did you just Certainly. So the, as, as many residents will recall, hopefully the mayor's 9090 uh, fitness challenge has been annual. It started January 4th this year. Had a bunch of participants and teams. Many residents took the challenge from our Mayor Melissa Holland to improve health step by step, literally. Uh, and they were able to log on and log their, their miles. Miles were counted as a bunch of activities, of course. Uh, we had over 25,000 miles logged. And we have today uh, our Parks and Rec Department here to present the results, discuss the challenge, what a success it was, and I'm sure to get people thinking about participating next year. Good morning. Good afternoon, um, Mayor and Council. Lauren Johnston, Director of Parks and Recreation. And I have with me um, Brittany McDermott, our Community Recreation Manager, who really led the cause and initiative this year alongside a lot of our um, supervisors, as well as our Recreation Supervisor of Marketing, Kim Brown, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight. So we're going to go through a couple of um, great, wonderful highlights. Um, the challenge was really great this year. It was nice to do the uh, walks in the evening, the pickleball tournament, the bike ride. We definitely had a diverse set of activities that uh, included all of our amenities from the pool to the tennis center um, and et cetera, even the golf course. So go ahead, Brittany. Uh, good evening. Just to give a brief overview, the Mayor's 9090 Challenge really is meant to be a kickstart to hopefully a more physically active and healthy lifestyle throughout the year. The challenge itself ran from January 4th through April 3rd. The overall goal was to complete 90 miles of activity in 90 days. We had a record-breaking year with the number of miles. I've actually got some new updated stats since I made this PowerPoint. So we actually had over 30,000 miles reported, which was our highest year yet. Um, we had 196 participants and 19 teams. So I was really excited to see the participation this year and really want to thank the residents for doing that and especially the ones that went above and beyond. We had some people that reported upwards of 700 miles throughout the challenge, so definitely went above and beyond there. We did develop some SMART goals for this campaign. The first was um, participation. We were hoping to attract at least 250 people to sign up. With 196, we were at a 78% success rate on that. It's a good foundation for us to move forward and hopefully see that percentage grow in the future. The other, um, smart goal was the miles. We were hoping to log at least 25,000 miles. As I just said, we had 30,000, so I really should have a plus sign next to that. So we exceeded 100% on that goal. And then our last was as Parks and Rec, we really strive to develop 90 different activities throughout the 90 days. We were able to do that and had some great participation, so we received 100% on that. This is a great foundation, again, moving forward to establish our goals and um, kind of update them for the next year and really strive to keep it moving forward and get even better. So again, some of these stats um, have been updated since I made this PowerPoint. So we had 196 participants, actually. And then residents had the opportunity to enter either miles or minutes of activity. Some of our activities are hard to track miles, like yoga and weightlifting. So we worked with our IT department and got an algorithm put into Salesforce, where you could actually enter in the number of minutes of activity, and 15 minutes would automatically equate to one mile. So that is how we got the um, exceeding of 30,000 miles. As you can see in previous years, it's continuing to be a trend that running and walking is the most popular activity that is reported. We attest that to our beautiful parks and trails system. Um, our residents love to get out and explore our trails, so we're seeing that through these numbers getting reported. And then we are very excited this year to enhance the Teams feature. This was feedback we'd received in previous years that people really wanted to do this with their friends and again we worked with the IT department and got that enhanced this year where you could actually go in make your own team create whatever fun name you wanted um, join all of your friends and family onto your team track the miles 
We even had a team leaderboard, so that was really exciting to follow as well. And we ended up with 19 teams participating this year. And we're very much looking forward to seeing that number continue as the years go on too. One thing to mention, we also had an inner um, city department competition and three of the five teams on the top leaderboard were city departments. So finance, stormwater and engineering, um, and public works. <laughs> so speaking of teams, this campaign truly was a team effort both internally and externally. We had um, lots of different staff from other departments participating. We had every director led a walk each week with the mayor and other council members. We had other city staff lead their special programs. So for example, we had Carol, our urban forester, lead a nature walk out at Long Creek Nature Preserve. We had Jordan in the Community Development Department, who's also our registered gopher tortoise agent, lead a gopher tortoise walk at the waterfront park. Those were very popular and well-received. So it was exciting to see other staff get involved too. And then of course, Parks and Rec is very diverse. So we had something from every angle, golf, tennis, athletics, aquatics, seniors, youth, teens, you name it, we had it. Um, the 90 different activities throughout the 90 days. And then of course, we can't go without thanking our community partners, Advent Health and Palm Coast Observer were both sponsors and they actually led their own programs as well. Advent Health led a really successful Zumba event at the community center and Palm Coast Observer led some really nice fitness walks. So that was very exciting to see that participation. And then also included in our Be Local, Buy Local initiative, of course, we had several local businesses that really supported the campaign too. So we just really want to thank all the different city staff and community partners for making this happen. And then, of course, like I said, this is meant to be a kickstart to a more physically active and healthy lifestyle. So we really want to encourage our residents to keep moving. Parks and Rec already has our whole summer activity schedule out, which is through August. There's plenty to do. So please look at Palm Coast Connect. We have our activity guide linked there and all different kinds of fun things that can keep you moving throughout the year. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you both. Thank you for your entire team. It was an extraordinary effort by everyone. Um, and obviously the purpose of this entire initiative is to keep our community healthy, moving, understanding the incredible amenities that we have right here in their backyard. Uh, so great participation and really applaud your efforts. Thank you. Okay, Council, I'm going to recess the City Council and convene the State Road 100 Corridor CRA Board. Agenda item number five is State Road 100 Corridor CRA Resolution approving the contract for purchase and sale of the Smiley property located at 33 DeRose Street, Palm Coast, Florida. Thank you, Honorable Mayor, City Council. This was heard by you at the City Council workshop of February 9th of 2020. Uh, there have been no changes to suggested items other than we did a environmental analysis. Uh, this is part of the direction of the CRA board for continued acquisition of properties in two targeted areas within the CRA. Uh, those acquisitions specifically at um, owners willing to sell at the appraised price. That is what we are considering tonight is a purchase at the appraised uh, price or appraised value, excuse me. Uh, we do have Virginia Smith here for any uh, questions you may have on this item tonight. Thanks. Any questions or comments? <coughs> any member of the public wish to make public comment on agenda item number five, please do so at this time. Thank you for letting me ask you a question. This is for the um, completing land for the town center, correct? For the CRA of the town center, That's right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Now, when we purchase that, uh, Mayor, is that purchase with residents tax monies or is that purchase with the tax revenue from the CRA? that is only to stay to the, in the CRA for a number of years. I think uh, we still have five, seven years for that. You can complete your comments. I'll answer your this question. This is my, my question. Thank That's you. right. Thank you. If we have five or seven years from the CRA, and if this is purchased with residents of Pancos money or with bank money from the CRA, that does not contribute to our taxes. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Close public comment. Mr. Morton, can you answer that question, please? Yes, yeah, so the, the purchase is, in fact, with uh, funds from the Community Redevelopment Agency. There's actually 
an item designated in there for capital purchases or capital acquisitions. And yes, we still have several years left on the CRA before uh, those tax incentive provisions that the city enjoys now would expire. Thank you. Council, um, ask for a motion. Make that motion. I'll second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Seeing none, it passes unanimously. Now adjourn the State Road 100 Corridor Community Redevelopment Agency Board meeting and reconvene the City Council. Move to resolutions. Agenda item number six is a resolution approving Point Grand Apartments Master Site Plan application. Thank you again, Honorable Mayor. Mayor, City. Council, if I sorry to interrupt, this is a quasi-judicial matter, so if there have been any ex parte communications um, regarding this matter before this evening, those should be disclosed at this time. I've had none. Communications whatsoever. None. Thank you. Thank sorry, you. Mayor. Sorry, thank you. Thank you again, Honorable Mayor, City Council. Uh, we do have an application for a master site plan for Point Grand Apartments, a proposed 300-unit multifamily community located on the northwest side of Pine Lakes Parkway, uh, north halfway between Palm Coast Parkway and Northwest Beltaire. The property's existing zoning is multifamily, or MFR2. Uh, we do have planning, spe specifically Bill Hoover, to introduce and present this item to you tonight. Good evening, everyone. Point Grants, it's a multifamily project located on a 157 and a half acre site on the northwest side of Pine Lakes Parkway, and it's about halfway between Beltaire Parkway North and Palm Coast Parkway Northwest. Uh, the development area is only a uh, small portion of the site. It's 34.64 acres. Uh, you can see it's located on the sort of the eastern portion. They're proposing it for 300 uh, multifamily homes. Since this uh, master site plan has over 100 uh, homes in it, it becomes a tier three, which requires a re review and recommendation by the planning board before coming to the City Council for final review and determination. Uh, you could see the uh, overall site has uh, two designations on the future land use map. The uh, light gray area is conservation. The uh, red area, uh, including the development area, is mixed use. To the north, you can see a royal blue area that's institutional. Uh, and then to the uh, west of that in the crosshatched area is DRI, mixed use, and then uh, more conservation uh, further to the west. To the east, uh, there's some mixed use, or northeast, I should say. That's where the Pine Lakes Apartments uh, is located, directly uh, east of this site. that sort of fronts on Pine Lakes Parkway. Uh, the yellow area is all residential, and as you go to the south, you can see more residential and uh, mixed use, and then to the west, we have residential, I'm sorry, we have mixed use and conservation. Uh, this is the zoning map. The subject property, uh, including the development area, is all MFR2 in the brown, which stands for uh, multifamily. Uh, two, which are higher intensity. The uh, COM2 area is about 400 feet deep and runs along the north side of Pine Lakes Parkway. To the north of the site in the uh, blue is Master Plan Development, or MPD. Uh, you can see a little bit more directly east of the site where the Pine Lakes Parkway, or the Pine Lakes Apartments are. Uh, the gray area to the north is P&G, Parks and Greenway. And as we get east and southeast of the site, you can see uh, the gold area is single-family residential three, which uh, requires a 10,000 square foot minimum lot size. The burgundy area directly south, southwest of the site is uh, high-intensity commercial. I, believe that's the high cube storage area there and further to the west is PSP public semi-public in the uh, light blue area and additionally more COM2 which is our general commercial zoning district which is by far the most common commercial one we have in town. 
this is their site plan and the north arrow in this case goes to the is in the upper right hand corner so it's it's at almost about two o'clock you can see the buildings are located there's uh, nine buildings the uh, buildings one and two are located on the southerly portion there between the two access points so the project sort of wraps around the uh, COM2 area there or general commercial. That area is about seven acres and it's about 400 feet deep. The, uh, on the left-hand side of the main access road is uh, another four acres of commercial. So altogether, sometime down the road, probably uh, quite a few years, we'll have that commercial get developed. You can see the location of the Pine Lakes apartments uh, on the uh, east of it. And then there's a lot of wetlands on the back of the site. So the, the site's gonna be pretty well buffered. Additionally, the property owner has agreed that the COM2 area, the trees will be retained on there, which is uh, will provide a nice buffer while construction is going on in addition to that it lets the landscaping mature around the multifamily uh, buildings. Uh, the, the closest buildings to single family would be buildings one and two. And since that commercial area is about 400 feet deep and Pine Lakes Parkway is about 100 feet across, so we got a little over 500 feet to the nearest uh, single family homes. These are the uh, site development requirements for the project and they're based on the land development code in the multifamily residential two standards. Uh, a multifamily site, it's gotta be four acres. In this case, we're about 35. Maximum building height is 60 feet. This project comes in at 42 feet, nine inches. Uh, parking that uh, the city's minimum required is two spaces per uh, two bedroom ap apartment or three bedroom. Um, so that would require 600. Additionally, one out of three multifamily units has to have a garage so they can take out a hundred of the spaces, parking spaces and we count those for garages. So they're doing a hundred garages, 500 parking spaces and then additionally, they will have 20 parking spaces for the clubhouse and rec area. Um, minimum living area of these units, uh, all the units are two bedroom. The minimum size uh, in the land development code is 650 square feet. These are all uh, at least 50% larger. They're running between 1,107 square feet and 1,153 square feet. Uh, they've got two kind of building elevations. Uh, this is the one, and this is the uh, second one. It has a little bit more uh, two-tone on this one. Uh, as with most projects, the planning department brings here. Uh, we have five key review criteria, and in this case, the master site plan is analyzed for it must not be in conflict with the public interest needs to be consistent with both the comprehensive plan and the land development code. It must not impose a significant hardship or liability on the city, must not create an unreasonable hazard or nuisance, and it needs to comply with all applicable local, state, and federal government standards. Planning staff reviewed these five criteria and we provide detailed findings uh, on them in the staff report. In, in summary, uh, the master site plan will not create a nuisance hazard or any compatibility issues as it meets all the development standards in the land development code and is in compliance with its mixed use designation on the future land use map. Additionally, all needed infrastructure is in place it, the project supports three goals, policies, or objectives of the comprehensive plan. Um, as 
far as public participation on this type of project, uh, February 22nd, the applicant mailed out approximately 40 letters to neighbors and staff prevailed, uh, prepared a mailing list for uh, all the neighbors within 300 feet of the project. On March 9th at 5.30, staff and the applicant's team uh, attended a meeting at the uh, Days Inn. Uh, however, no one from the uh, public uh, attended the meeting. Uh, the planning board meeting was held the following week at 5.30 p.m. Uh, no one from the public attended this meeting specifically for the project. The planning board found the uh, project in compliance with the comprehensive plan and recommended approval to the city council by a 7-0 vote. Um, if this is approved tonight by the city council, the applicant would follow by a technical site plan that would be uh, reviewed administratively by the city staff. Uh, then they would apply for uh, building permits that would be reviewed through the building department. The Planning and Land Development Regulation Board found this project in compliance with the comprehensive plan and recommended approval to City Council for application 4633 Point Grand Apartments, a master site plan for 300 homes so the developer may apply for a technical site plan that would need to meet all applicable development requirements and subject to three conditions. One, for the technical site plan, the applicant's engineer shall provide vehicle use area calculations on the site and landscape plans. Two, for the technical site plan, the applicant's landscape architect shall provide shade and understory trees, each spaced at about one tree for 50 feet along the two shared entry drives as they travel next to the commercial areas on the landscape plan. Three, school concurrency shall be met during the technical site plan process. Hill, could you further explain school concurrency, please? I'm, I'm sorry? Could you further explain school concurrency shall be met during the technical site plan process? What exactly is school concurrency? Well, they've, they've applied for the school concurrency already. And so the school basically advises us. Oh, that's the evaluation the requirements of requirements, the and they, they pay their impact fee. Understood. So that's the impact that this development would have on the school in that area? Understood. Yes, sir, to, okay. to make sure they have appropriate student stations available. Gotcha. And that process happens during the technical, technical site plan. Site plan. And now we have, uh, mm -hmm. we actually had the Flagler School's member, uh, the planner is actually on our TRX team now and part of these meetings when we go to them. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, if I may, uh, 42.9, uh, uh, 43 feet. Usually it's what, three floors? Yes, these are all three floors. And the smallest uh, apartment is 650 square foot. That, that's the minimum required. And so you would see that typically on a one bedroom unit, uh, you know, maybe 650 to 900 square feet. All their units are two bedroom units and they're at least 1100 square feet. So there's no plan, there's no 650 square feet. Uh, no. They're not, they, they're not planned. Correct. No, they, if uh, if they came in and switched this around, I believe uh, we'd have to come back to City Council. The development order is based on what is in being crafted for their development order. So if they were going to go lower, we would come back to City Council. So and we, uh, we yeah, they are exceeding our minimum standards of the code. Yeah. So they look in about a thousand foot minimum, mm -hmm. and we look in about three hundred uh, units. Yes, sir. Thank you. I conclude your question. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Yes. Uh, I see they have uh, two entrances and exits. Yes. Now, on a lot of these in, uh, in Jacksonville, I've seen where they'll close off one entrance. Is there anything for preventing them from closing off so we don't have all these cars going out, in and out of one entrance? They're going to be required to keep the two, and so I'm not sure how we would enforce no, they, that. They would be required to keep the two. As a matter of fact, our comprehensive plan uh, requires two means of ingress and egress if you're at over uh, at 50 units or more for 
and greater, so they will be required to keep it. Is there going to be any deceleration and acceleration uh, to get on this onto the street? Right. They, they're providing turn lanes out there. And another thing is, this is 300 units, so that's roughly about 600 people. What are we going to do about the safety? I mean, we keep on building all these apartments, and we're not giving more deputies. Are we going to have a problem one day with, with the security, with the safety of Ma'am, you don't. No, ma'am, you can't. Ma'am, you don't reach out. You, you cannot speak during this period, ma'am. Thank you. My my understanding is, you know, we keep tabs of the population through the the community development department. So, where, where we're at today, it will probably take about three months for a technical site plan and a minimum of nine months to construct the uh, units. So, is. I believe City Council bases your your the deputies that you have uh, based on population. So if our population, let's say, grows 3,000 and it's one deputy per 1,000 is is the rule of thumb, then the you would fund it's three more deputies. No, sir, two sir, and a half deputies. no, it's not. Let's not yeah, provide let, misinformation. Yeah, let me, uh, you know, when we're analyzing our a site plan you know we're looking at level services that are part of our land development code such as you know tr transportation traffic um, level service for parks level service for water and sewer when it comes to things like public safety and, and, and the uh, sheriff's office I mean we are coordinating with uh, the sheriff's liaison providing information on our growth reports and providing that data to them. But what we are analyzing the site is based on our on our comp plan and the, and the level of service and making sure and ensuring that it meets our land development code. And at this point in case, it, it, it does. As per the population that we have right now, the Sheriff's Department is understaffed. And we're adding another 600 people here. So it's, it's very important to me to, to understand if, if we're gonna, what are we gonna do about this? Because around the corner, we have another 300 apartments going up. It's another 600 people. Are, are those roads going to be able to handle all this? Are, are, is the safety a you know a jeopardy? I mean, I don't want to turn this into like a Newark, New Jersey. You know, I want to make sure that this stays safety and, and controlled. Well, I, I would respond and say, you know, sa safety is a community priority. Always has been. We have a great relationship with the sheriff's office. We have, in fact, provided deputies. You said we provided no deputies. We provided several last year. We provided five additional deputies per the contract. I'll remind the council that everyone in the city of Palm Coast pays the sheriff's department, just like everyone in the county does. On top of that, the city's paying an additional $5 million. So city residents pay more than county residents for public safety right now, considerably more, for an enhanced level of service. That enhanced level of servant agreement uh, is under uh, going to be going under negotiation. Uh, Bill was incorrect. We don't have a level of service identified. We don't have a call service volume identified. That's something we're looking into right now. Um, and just to correct the other statement, the city doesn't build anything. You keep saying we build. We don't build anything. We're responsive to landowners who own property and have development rights under in the state of Florida. So I think the sheriff's con, con, uh, conversation is going to continue. Uh, crime has gone down 49% as a point of fact. Our average age is over 50, which is the metric that doesn't commit crime. So we're trying to uh, come up with a long-term strategy that's fair to everybody, our, our fantastic law enforcement, our community ratepayers, to figure out what additional staffing could look like uh, in the future. So, um, I, again, with a 49% decrease in crime and a 65% increase in the budget of the Sheriff's Department since, I think, 2014, we're trying to find where that ground is of how we staff moving forward. I mean, uh, people, people have told me about these new uh, apartments in the town center. They're getting about five... Uh, police calls a day. I'm just, that's the only thing. Town I'm Center paid specifically for their own deputy to handle that level of service as well, just for, for information. That's why maybe we might need a deputy for this area. I know. You have to look. I, I don't know if there's a way of looking into it. If we get the sheriff's department to look into it, I, I don't know what's, what's the procedure here. Well, let me just say like, we've had these discussions previously at council. The sheriff has indicated read the crime statistics um, apartment complexes that have been approved and do not increase crime there's no crime level increase in Pine Lake 
very clear and correct and our responses are very accurate. So um, to state that is not an accurate assumption. So, Thank you. so I, I just have a question, Bill, on traffic on Pine Lakes. Do we have any indication of, I assume if there's 300 apartments, we're looking at maybe 600 more cars. Uh, what have we done to, to, to look at this traffic situation? Because that's a single lane road. It's not a double lane road. Cor correct. The, uh, the level of service on that roadway is, is uh, fine. And the city's traffic engineer did review a traffic impact study from the applicant's traffic engineer. And the applicant does have their traffic engineer, I believe, on the uh, Zoom call if, if you want to ask uh, specific questions to her. It, well, they, they also have a presentation, but to answer um, specifically, you know, every time we go through uh, a site plan analysis, we, we require uh, a traffic study, okay? And then that's done by a professional engineer, uh, a traffic engineer. That's submitted to the city of Palm Coast, and that's analyzed by our traffic engineer uh, to ensure that any increase in trips will not cause a decrease in the level of service for the roads, okay? Oh, and not only analyzing for turn lanes, but making sure that it, it maintains that level of service. This study has not been done yet? Yes, it has. It has? Yes. Are we going to see it? Um, the applicant has a presentation, and they have their traffic engineer that's online, and they can elaborate during their presentation. I think that would be All appropriate. Right, thanks. Yes. Does that conclude Councilmember Bursa, does that conclude yes, your questions? Thank you. No other questions before I ask the applicant to present. Is the applicant? Good evening, Shannon Acevedo with Matthews Design Group. For the record. I'll give a brief presentation and try to be complimentary as possible to Mr. Hoover's presentation. Uh, this is the Point Grand application. Our applicant is Phil Point. And I also have Chris Buttermore with me as well from Matthews Design Group should you have any engineering questions. He's the project manager for this application. <coughs> and uh, is it the arrows here on the microphone to go through the presentation? Uh, so looking at the site, this shows the total area as mentioned. This is over 157 acres as far as the parent parcels concerned. Um, however, our particular development is limited to 34.64 acres. And you can see that kind of dotted out in the middle there towards the, the east. And as mentioned earlier, there's an expansive buffer around the development. Uh, you also have Pine Lake Apartments immediately adjacent, large buffer to the north and also to the south. Um, and this just kind of gives you an idea of the development and how it's compatible with the area. And as mentioned earlier, this portion of the project would be within that MFR-2 zoning district, which allows for apartment development. And this would be to provide for 300 multifamily units. Gross density, looking at the site, would be 8.7 dwelling units per acre. The building footprint is uh, roughly 9% of this parcel, and the impervious surface ratio, the amount of pavement and buildings, would be 37% of the area. And as was mentioned earlier, there is about a 400-foot depth of the commercial, or this is the commercial zoned portion of the parent parcel. Uh, there is no plan for this commercial today, but as was mentioned earlier by staff, we are looking to keep that area uncleared until the point at which it, it is developed for commercial area. And this is just to kind of give you a general idea of what it looks like. So this is that buffer we're looking now towards 
the commercial area that would be 400 feet from Pine, Lark, Pine Lakes Parkway, excuse me, and then the Point Brand Apartments would be behind that. And I wanted to share this. This is the same site plan that you saw earlier, but I, I think it's important to see the amount of open space that's provided with this project. The intent with Point Brand was to cluster the buildings close together and create um, a really efficient design so that you have a lot of that buffered area around it. And just to kind of get into a couple of the details, within that open space are some amenities that were planned. One is going to be either a dog park or tot lot. You can see that in that green space. And then the amenity center is going to be um, kind of directly as you're coming into the site. Once you get into that residential portion, it's a, a point of entry and arrival for the development. So I know there were a couple questions already about traffic and transportation. This is looking at full access uh, driveways from Pine Lakes Parkway, and you can see the main access. It's got that sort of boulevard feel uh, with the green space in the middle and the roundabout as you get into the residential. That's going to be the main access, and there is another secondary access, as you can see, uh, further east about 850 feet apart. The level of service, as I understand, is an existing C status, and that will remain with the development of this project. And <coughs> along with that, there are turn lanes to be provided. This is to allow for more fluid traffic patterns so that there's not negative impact with the development of, of this project. Uh, for safety, I'll just mention, um, Working with our transportation engineer, there, there was an identification of a mid-block pedestrian crossing. You can kind of see it. It's a little bit faded there in white, but it's um, kind of a little bit off to the side from Brookside Lane, and so we're looking at maybe moving that over uh, in alignment with Brookside Lane for safety reasons. And you saw these renderings already, but just it always helps to have a visual to see what's uh, being proposed here. So these are all three-story, two-bedroom units. And that is all I have for my presentation. Bill, um, I had a quick question. The, sure. The property, I, sorry for our staff. The property is currently zoned what? Multi-family residential two. Property is two. currently what? Multi-family residential two or MFR two which allows 12 units per acre. So this is not a rezoning. This was always yeah, zoned no, for multi-family. Correct. It's been zoned MFR2 since the city was uh, incorporated. Our first, our first zoning map in 2004, it was designated as multifamily. When it was in the county, uh, prior to us becoming a city, it was actually commercial uh, C2 for the county and industrial. Uh, so when, when that came over to the city of Palm Coast, 2004 during our first zoning, it was the frontage was rezoned to commercial and then that was uh, rezoned to multifamily too in 2004. Are these just uh, regular apartments or are they luxury apartments? Uh, these are regular apartments, and the idea is that this will be an added uh, workforce housing for, um, you know, things like police officers and teachers and um, not deed-restricted, but uh, apartments that would be a, a good value add and option for residents moving to Palm Coast. So did you say they are market-driven? Yes. So they are? Yes, not, not deed-restricted, but the intent is for them to match a price point that, would, that the majority of people could afford. 
this is just personal experience, but just to share with the council that this does hit a sweet point for the two bedroom units that are about 1,100, 1,200 feet big that are not the single uh, bedroom units that some people are looking for, but uh, the two bedroom unit seems to be uh, something that our inventory in Pumpco seem to be lacking just from uh, people that I've spoken to. Uh, might be too soon to ask, but do we have a projected uh, range on the price of rentals? I don't have an exact range. I believe our client may be on the Zoom call if we want to try and ask that question directly. available if not I wouldn't want to try and <laughs> make that guess here on the record do they know they're on unmuted they want to ask, <laughs> ask Vasa Kate if you're on the line there was a question about the range of price points for the apartment <laughs> Shannon, can you hear me? Yeah, there's a little bit of feedback. You might, I don't know if you're on the phone and on the computer. You yeah. might need to mute one of those. No, I'm just on the phone. No, the, all, the, all the apartments are, are basically the same square footage for the rent, the same. Could you repeat that? There, there was a question about if you have a range in mind for the price point. Oh, it'll just be market driven, um, market rate, but all the apartments are exactly the same, so the, all the apartments are priced equally. Okay, so it sounds like we don't have an exact yep. number that we uh, can you're, share. You're no, the only difference is the first, second, is ground floor, second floor, and third floor. You're labeling it as workforce housing, so that's why I'm asking for a range. I don't even know what a definition of workforce housing is. Without that, I lived in the Soviet Union for a year. I can tell you what workforce housing means to me, and it's not this. Um, so a range would be nice. Fasa, do you have a maximum in mind that you're thinking for these apartments? I, I think the uh, the range would be around uh, eleven to eleven hundred to uh, thirteen hundred dollars. Okay, thanks. Any other questions, Council? Any member of the public wish to make public comment on this agenda item? Please do so at this time. Again, my name is Celia Bublisi. I just had yesterday um, a, a former neighbor of ours on the Palm Harbor area. She had to move to Pine Lakes area a year and a half ago because her mother came to live with her. She needed a bigger house. And this is very nice people. And she sent me an email yesterday. And she said that the traffic in Pine Lakes Parkway is horrible. They are awakened. There is, I don't, I haven't driven there. There is a need for a red light on Winfield Drive, the corner with Pan Lakes Parkway, whatever. And she said that they are awakened by traffic and also the motorcycles, incredible noise, and the traffic comes very fast, very dangerous in Pine Lakes Parkway, and a lot of traffic. So I'm asking the city, please, to really think about all this growth and how our services are gonna be funded with the sheriff's department that says now that they don't have enough people for pump calls and the city is trying to, to really walk and work with him and, and talk about it. But meanwhile, the residents, we sincerely, we are affected by all this traffic, Mayor, really. The traffic is incredible. In Pampos Parkway, in all our residential roads, 
the speeding, uh, it is really bad. And, and with all this growth, I don't know where we're going to end up with because I don't think, honestly speaking, we have enough wide roads for what we need. Uh, and it, the growth is incredible. So she's concerned about the apartments coming that she read about this project. And she's she now lives in uh, off Pine Lakes, uh, Pine Lakes Parkway. So uh, I know that the mayor asked before our uh, sheriff and our um, in one meeting that I was before here uh, to our fire department to come up with some figures about growth, the cost of growth. We, the current residents, don't want to pay for that growth. And now on top of it, we have Tallahassee deciding to us not being able, the cities and county, to give so many high, uh, uh, those fees, the impact fees to developers. They're going to restrict the cities and counties to uh, charge so many impact fees to the developers. And we need the impact fees for schools, for fire, for our roads. We need more roads and, and for, for sheriffs, for law enforcement. And you're going to be all limited by Tallahassee and that. You have read the news. Thank you. Whatever you can do. Thank you. Thanks for your comments. Next speaker. Carol Brasfield, I'm just concerned about the job market here to support these um, apartments and families that are going to be living there, because I'm not seeing any new businesses or big businesses coming here, and then that adds to more traffic if they have to um, commute from one St. August, 